There is a modern parable that was told by Paul Harvey. I wanted to read this for you. This is about a modern man, one of us. He was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with others. But he did not believe in all that incarnation stuff that the churches proclaimed at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense to him, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just could not swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he would much rather stay home, but that he would wait for them, wait up for them. He stayed. They went. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier, then went back to his fireside chair and began to read his paper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thud. Then there it was again. And then another. At first, he thought someone must have been throwing snowballs at his living room window. Well, when he went to the front door, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm, and in desperate search for shelter, they had tried to fly through the large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony that would provide warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it he quickly put on his coat and galoshes trampled through the deepening snow to the barn opened the door wide and turned on a light but the birds did not come in he figured food would entice them in and he hurried back to the house fetched some breadcrumbs sprinkled them on the snow making a trail to the yellow lighted wide open door of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking them around, then waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. Then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. How? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only, if only I could be a bird myself, he thought. If only I could be a bird and mingle with them, speak their language, tell them not to be afraid, and show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I'd have to be one of them so they could see hear and understand at that moment the church bells began to ring the sound reached his ears above the sound of the wind he stood there listening to the bells listening to the bells pealing and glad tidings of christmas he sank to his knees in the snow and gave his heart to jesus many times we don't get the message that god is sending us He sent it to us many ways. He sent us the message of Christmas, the new birth, his sacrifice. He sends us the message of faith and love. And while you name the topic, he sent us a message. And most times, folks, we just aren't getting it. We're just not understanding. I think the hardest time he has is when we think we're getting it. And we've got an entirely different message. On this series we've been doing on submission and authority, a few weeks ago, before we took our Christmas break, went on some other topics. We got into the idea of authority and power. That God sometimes operates, or Jesus when he was down here on earth, sometimes operated in authority. Sometimes he operated in, in power. God the Father sometimes operates in authority. Sometimes he operates in power. When authority is needed, power is no use. When power is needed, authority is no use. Each has their specific things that they do. And we need to understand what they are. We went over these just to give you a quick review. That God operates in authority, the power to determine or otherwise settle issues or disputes, jurisdiction, the right to control, command, or determine, commanding things that are to operate in a certain way. God operates in power, and power is the ability to do or act capability of doing or accomplishing something 
creating things from nothing or transcending the normal laws already in place. He said that Satan expanded this to include usurped authority and even deception with Adam and Eve when he came in to steal their authority. Authority is given from a higher authority by one who has authority. We said that authority has been given and we can either use it, abuse it, misuse it, or not use it. Paul had authority in the church. We spent the rest of the time looking at that, some of his letters that he had written to the churches. He had authority, and the reason he had authority there was because he first sowed. For people to have authority in your life, they first sow. Parents have authority in your life, but didn't they also first sow into your, into your life when you were born and they raising you up? God has authority in our, our lives. He has sowed into us. Turn over, if you would, to Mark chapter 11, verse 12, or just look up on the screen, whichever you prefer. Very familiar scripture, but we'd want to take a look at some things in here in regards to authority, the topic we've been talking about. Now, the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Well, the tree had an appearance of fruit. I'm not an expert on fig trees, but apparently if you were around fig trees, they look a certain way with their leaf configuration if they have fruit. And this one gave off that appearance. So he sees this. He comes up to it, investigates it. But he found, he found that there was a lack of fruit. He found nothing but leaves. Now, we've talked about this a number of times in, in um, the church, just sort of an, another topic in the area of judging. A lot of times in the body of Christ, we like to judge each other. We spend a lot of time judging each other. Of course, the Bible says judge yourselves. First off, take care of that. We'd rather not do that. We spend more time judging each other. <clears throat> but I want you to take a look at that. He thought the fig tree had fruit from a distance. What's he do? He goes up to the fig tree. He takes a closer look. It has the appearance of fruit. I put in this in your outline. Many Christians make fruit inspections from afar. Many Christians make fruit inspections from afar. Fruit may not always be externally visible. You sometimes have to get up close to them. Have you ever seen somebody, you didn't know them real well, just heard some things came out of their mouth, saw some things that they did, and made a judgment about who they were, what they were, what they were doing? If we're going to make a, a reliable one, we need to get up close to them. We need to get to know them. If you want to help somebody... Get in there and, and get to know him. In Luke chapter 13, we're not going to turn there, but in verse 6 through 9, it gives us what we should do if we actually want to help somebody. Now, standing on the sidelines, judging from afar, does not help anyone. But there it tells us that if you want to help, there's some things you can do. You can feed, you can water, and you can prune. You can't do that from a distance. You've got to get up close. So anyway, let's pick it up here. Jesus saw that there's no fruit on it. Gave the appearance of having fruit, but there was none when he came up for a closer inspection. In response, Jesus said to it, verse 14, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. A couple of things to make note here is that first off, Jesus did not think this. He said it with his mouth so that his disciples could hear him. The only one we know who went up to the fruit tree or the fig tree is Jesus. We don't know that the disciples went up there. We only know that Jesus went up there. But he said it loud enough that wherever the disciples were, they heard it. If you were going to follow what the scripture says, you need to speak loud. You don't have to shout. You don't have to make a spectacle of it. But speak to it. He spoke to it. He didn't yell at it. Authority is not in a loud voice. Now, let's go on here. So he says, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And they leave. It says, so they came to Jerusalem. So they're on the way to Jerusalem. They pass by the fig tree. And then they continue to go on to Jerusalem. So wherever it was they were staying at, they pass by, the, they go on the road, they pass by the fig tree, and they continue to go into Jerusalem. Now let's take a look. There's little, it seems like it's unrelated. 
Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because of all the people, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. Now look at this. They came to Jerusalem, verse 15. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. Doesn't that sound like Jesus came in and as soon as he enters the doors, he starts making havoc? Doesn't it sound like that's what he did? Yeah, well, what about judging from close up? What about getting close in there? What about finding out what's going on? Well, there's a verse of scripture we skipped over. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 11. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And so when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The verse before we started all this has Jesus in the temple, in Jerusalem, and he just observed. He just watched what was going on. And it was already late. He wasn't going to deal with this right now. He left. He went on back, probably prayed about it. What should I do? How should I go about this? And the next day, on his way to the temple to do what? Whatever God told him to do, showed him to do, because he says, I don't do anything. I don't say anything except what the Father tells me to say, what I've seen the Father do. So he's going in to do the Father's work in the temple. On the way, he sees the fig tree. Now, the typology here is there are two things that represent Israel in the Bible, in, in, uh, in parables. The first is the grapevine. The second is the fig tree. You will see them interchange. Sometimes Israel is called the grapevine. Sometimes Israel is called the fig tree. But it's always consistent. Whenever Israel is spoken of in their productive state, attached to God and producing good fruit, they are always referred to as the vine. Whenever they are unproductive, in a disobedient state, not attached to God, they are referred to as the fig tree. So when Jesus comes up to the fig tree and sees it giving off the appearance of having fruit, the type is when he went into the temple, it has the appearance of worship of God. But when you get up and close right in there, there's nothing there. And so when he comes and he curses the fig tree, it is a type of what is to come. I don't think he really cared too much about the fig tree. It's a type of what is to, to be there. That the fig tree gave off the appearance of looking like... It was having fruit when you come upon it and inspect it. And so he cursed it. This is something spoken over Israel. Now, verse 19. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Verse 20. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, get the picture. He was in the temple. He leaves the temple to go to wherever it is that they are staying. They leave the place that they are staying. They come. Don't you think they would have come the same way? They don't have, like we have, 20 million roads that you can pick and decide which one you want. They have a couple of roads. Generally, one road from one, there's one road between Jerusalem and Jericho. Wherever it was he was staying, there's a road. You get in that road and you walk that road. So he walked that road the night before, probably saw the fig tree, wouldn't you think? Did anything happen to the fig tree the night before? No. But on the way in, he has a commission from God the Father. So he stops by the fig tree. He pronounces the curse on the fig tree. And they go into the temple. They then leave the temple. Where do you think they pass by? The fig tree. Did the disciples notice anything going on with the fig tree? <coughs> no. There's no mention of the fig tree. The fig tree probably looked exactly the way that it was. Because in the next morning, they come by the fig tree and they look at the fig tree again. They probably looked at it last night because they heard him curse it. They looked at the fig tree, probably didn't notice anything different. They, I bet you they had some conversations. You remember that fig tree he cursed? Nothing happened to it. It's just sitting there. They came on by again, looked at the fig tree. Oh, it's with Master, the fig tree you cursed. They remembered. It's withered. Verse 21. And Peter remembered, said to him, Rabbi, look. 
the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So that would mean when he came by in the morning and he cursed it, that the fig tree did nothing. When he came by in the evening to head back to wherever it was they were staying, the fig tree looked intact. When they came by the next morning, the fig tree was withered. Just because you spoke to something and it didn't happen right away does not mean nothing happened. Jesus spoke to this fig tree and it did not happen immediately. It did happen. It says it dried up from the roots. From the time he spoke, those roots began to dry up. And eventually, it had an effect upon the part that you can see. But Peter's a, he's astonished. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. So I gave you these in your outline. If they pass by the fig tree in the morning, can we not also assume that they did the night before? If they are looking now, were they not also looking then? So it is safe to say that the fig tree had not withered yet at evening. Gave you all that, but I just wanted to spot off for you in your outline there. Now the disciples are amazed. Jesus is not. Verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Brother Hagin used to always tell us whenever we'd read that, that the uh, margin of the actual Greek would say, have, have the faith of God. Or, as he would put it, the God kind of faith. Always would say that. Every time I read that, I always hear him saying that. So I just let you hear it. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, think about this. We're talking about power. We're talking about authority. What does it take to move a mountain? Power or authority? That's a tough one, isn't it? What's it going to take? All right, we'll show you. To you. It's, it's right here. You missed it, but it was right in the scripture. It was, it's, and once you understand the language, you'll be able to pick this out any time at all. For surely I say to you, whoever what? Says to this mountain. Whoever says to this mountain. That means the mountain can hear you. What did he do to the fig tree? He spoke to the fig tree. Therefore, the fig tree heard. Actually, the, the actual wording says he answered the fig tree. That means the fig tree first talked to him. Have you ever had stuff talk to you? We've talked about this before, but how many times has your bank account talked to you? How many times has your house talked to you? How many times has your car talked to you? How many times has life situations talked to you? We're here. We've got to start speaking to some things. When you speak to something and expect it to respond, the only thing in play is authority. That's all. If you speak to a child, a son or a daughter, and say to them, go to your room, are you exercising power or authority? Authority. Now, if you pick that child up and throw him into the room, <laughs> that might be something different. <laughs> but most of the time you deal with your children, you're dealing in the area of authority. He spoke to the fig tree. He's teaching you to speak to the mountain. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, doesn't that just astound you that a mountain has the power to move itself? And the only reason that mountains do not move on a regular basis is because we don't tell them to. Now think about this. Does the word of God not say that if we do not praise him, the rocks and stones will cry out? Hmm. There might be more life to those things than we think. We ought to use that as evidence and go down to NASA and say we found life on Mars. There are rocks and mountains on Mars, so therefore there is life. I don't think they'll quite say it the same way we would, but we could do that. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, most times Jesus teaches this stuff is very simple. We generally try and complicate it 
to make it more simple. <laughs> but in essence, what Jesus teaches us is very simple. He teaches us three things. First off, say, believe, don't doubt. That's it. If you want to operate in the area of authority, three things you need to do. Say it. Believe it. Don't doubt it. That's it. Now, that's, that sounds simple, doesn't it? But how many have been there and find out, well, I, I know I should say it, but I'm not really in a good place right here. People think me funny. And we find reasons not to say it. Or, we say it, but we don't really believe it. Well, I hope this happens. People's language will give them away. Oh, so much, folks. Language gives you away. Yes, people. What are you praying for? Well, I'm hoping this will happen. Well, I'm praying and believing that this will come about. Really? If you're praying and believing it will come about, then you don't believe that it has yet. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. The will be is done as future, but you have to believe present. When you say it is when you need to believe it. In case you didn't get the, the blank there, mountain moving is an authority issue. Moving mountains. I mean, that's astounding. You do not need the power of God to move mountains. All you need is the authority. Now, I didn't get this in your outline. I had this a long time ago. After I finished up writing up your outline, I said, oh, I forgot to put this in there. So you can squeeze it in there in the margins if you want to. Do whatever you want. But authority, in order to operate, authority needs confidence. In order to operate, power needs connection. Authority needs confidence. Power needs connection. Connection doesn't do the same thing for authority that it does for power. Confidence doesn't do the same thing for power than it does with authority. Here's some, here's some examples for you. The woman with the issue of blood. No doubt in that story what was used to heal her. Because the Word of God tells us very clearly, power went out from him. So we know it was power. Was there any confidence in Jesus? He didn't even know anyone was doing anything. He said, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. But he was just connected. Because of his connection... All the woman had to do was complete that connection. Jesus is connected. If I connect myself to him, power. Power is about connection. What is needed? It's not always a touch. We're not into power t today. We will get into it eventually. But power needs connection. Connection is not always involving touching. But in order for power to operate, there needs to be a connection. You already know that. How do you get power for a, for a light in your house. It needs to be connected. You've got to plug it into the wall. Once it's plugged in the wall, you've got to throw the switch. Even if you have a flashlight, there must be a connection to power. The batteries have to be installed properly. There must be a connection. Anything that involves power involves some type of connection. Even all of our phones... And, and such, there's connection there. Not just connection to the power source, but in order for your phone to work, it must also connect to a cell tower. There must be a connection. In order for that phone to be able to make phone calls, it has to be able to reach that connection. You ever been in a spot where you couldn't get a connection? I remember years ago, there was a, um, a ret retreat we took uh, Christian on. And uh, it wasn't, that f wasn't terribly far from here. It was a couple hours away from here. But we went on this this uh, this place, and when we got there, we're out in the boonies somewhere. When we got there, they told us, said, if you want to make a phone call, you have to go way out there in the field, somewhere around that area, you can sometimes get a connection. So, uh, that was way back when I had a flip phone. I haven't had a flip phone in a long time, and we had to make a call back home and let them know what was going on. So, I'm walking around in the rain, in the field, trying to find a place where I can connect. Because up until that time I can make that connection, the thing's useless. It's not going to be able to do what it needs to do. Power needs connection. Authority needs confidence. 
So here's what Jesus teaches. You're going to operate in the area of authority. Believe with your heart. Don't doubt. Let's read it again. Be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. So it's confidence. You've got to say it, but you've got to have that confidence on the inside. Belief that it's true, and don't doubt. Don't doubt. Now, who is qualified to do this? Take a look at who Jesus says is qualified to do this. Verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... So who's qualified? Whoever. If you've got a King James, it's whosoever. He doesn't qualify by those who live right. Does he say that? Those who know the Word. Those who are ministers. No, the Word says, whoever. Whoever says the only qualification of all the people that are out there is the ones who say it. It's not just the whoever's, it's the whoever says. Sometimes we want to qualify because we're a whoever. But you've got to be a whoever says. Not a whoever knows, not a whoever thinks, not a whoever is born again, not a whoever has been in the church 20 years, not a whoever who's been a certain level of maturity. Nothing like that. Whoever says. If we stop speaking to things, things stop needing to change. Whoever says. Now, he does not qualify this as something that is just for Christians, does he? But we see this even in the world. How many times do people in the world, Donald Trump, I don't know how saved he is or if he is saved. Maybe he is. He talks about God sometimes and I, I don't know. But when Donald Trump gets up there and he wants to build something, what does he say? I am going to... And he declares what it is he get, that he's going to do. Does he generally get it done? <laughs> I really don't know of a single time that he has said something and he has not gotten it done. He generally gets done what it is that he said. But he says it first. He speaks that thing first. You've got to say the thing first. Jesus would say things first. The man who was lowered down into the room. Your sins are forgiven. We're going to have fun with that one. Because you're going to see that's one place in the Scripture where we're going to see power and authority. We're not there yet. We'll get there eventually. So why do we talk ourselves out of these things? If we are whosoever, all we have to be is a whosoever who says. And once you make that whosoever who says, now to finish qualifying, all you've got to do is not doubt, believe. Don't doubt, but believe. Now, the devil loves to pull us into the trap of doubt and unbelief simply by doing this. We've gone out. We have spoken to our mountain. We have said to our mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, whatever your mountain is. You've spoken to that thing. You've gone there. And the next day, we're going through that evening, the next day, whenever it might be, the thought comes to us, has that mountain moved? And what do we say? No, it's still there. I thought that mountain had to move. Well, I thought it did too. I guess it didn't. Maybe I need to speak to it again. Maybe I need to pray for an hour before I speak to it. Maybe I need to read the Bible some before I speak to it. And we, we uh, move into the area of doubt and unbelief. Because he says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come about. He will have whatever he says. Don't talk yourself out of it. Be a sayer. Don't be a thinker. The only ones who qualify, you've got to first be a who and second be a sayer. That's it. Not a thinker. Not even one who prays to God. Understand this. If you are operating or if what is called for is authority and you pray to God, you are wasting your time and moving yourself into the place of a doubter. Because you doubted that authority was ever given to you. When authority is involved, put prayer aside. You have got to remember to do that. If you pray when authority is called for, you will hurt 
your cause. Not help. Not even indifferent. You will hurt your cause. We'll go through these. And as we go through these situations, you find me one time when the situation called for authority that Jesus prayed. We're going to go through a lot of them. You tell me one time he did it. Before we're done here today, we're going to look at one in which prayer was highly ineffective. Before we get there, we'll, before we get done, we'll, we'll get over there and see that. So, and does not what? Does not doubt in the heart. Don't doubt. In your, when you speak that thing, it's done. It's done. I've, it's authority. Authority has been spoken. Do I truly believe that those things that I'm speaking to are put under Jesus Christ? Do I truly believe that when I speak to them that they must respond? Go back to the Word. Don't go to your experiences. Go back to the Word. Your experiences will lie to you. Your experiences will tell you a false truth. The devil will use your experiences and interpret them and give you a false truth and give you a false false understanding. Go back to the Word, not your experiences, and build yourself up to believe. Now this word doubt does not doubt in this heart. If you've been here for a while, you remember we taught on this before. Doubt in this verse is passive. When a, when a doubt is passive, it means that the person, the subject of the discussion is being acted upon by the doubt. The doubt is knocking on your door. I'm not trying to doubt. But doubt is coming up to me and acting upon me. I need to close it. See, too often we're looking for active doubt. I'm not going to actively, I'm not going to go and doubt and I'm not going to do that. But doubt is coming and knocking on our door. It's calling to us. It's saying things to us. Don't listen to it. Don't embrace it. Let's go back and read that before we, again, one more time before we move on. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The most common word in there is says. So Jesus is really trying to emphasize with us, you need to say it. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to keep going and taking authority over it constantly. Jesus did it one time and it worked. Don't keep coming up to the tree. If the tree was speaking to Jesus when he was hungry and he came by the first time, don't you think the tree would have been speaking to Jesus when he came by at night and the leaves were still on the tree? Don't you think he would have heard it? I'm still here. <laughs> Just like your stuff is speaking to you. But you got to operate in authority. Three things for operating in authority. Remember what they are? Say it. Believe it. Don't doubt it. That's all you got to do. Three things. It's simple. And we all say, man, you know how hard I have getting those three things to work? Thank God he didn't give us ten things you can do. It's just three. Just three. Say it. Believe it. Don't doubt it. That's it. That's all you got to do. All right, let's go on and look at what else he says. Therefore, I say to you, on the basis of this, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Therefore, on the basis of this, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray. What was he saying before? Whoever says to this mountain... Be removed and be cast into the sea. Now he says, whatever things you ask when you pray. Does that sound like it's different wording? Different language? We're talking about a different matter. But in the area of prayer, the same principle works. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So if we plug this into the same formula we just saw. We, instead of say it, we ask. Believe it, don't doubt it. Whatever things you ask when you pray. Now you're asking 
for a thing. You're asking for a thing to be done. This is things. Understand, not all prayer involves things. A lot of prayer may involve things, but not all prayer involves things. Prayer that involves things, follow this rule. Ask, believe, don't doubt. So when we come and we ask God for something in prayer, we need to leave that time of prayer believing that we received the things that we asked for. Don't doubt it. But how many times have we as Christians gone into God in prayer and asked God, Oh God, I need this. Oh God, I, you know I need, I need this. And it doesn't come for a day. What are we doing? Oh God, I just want to remind you, I still need this. I'm going to ask for it again. And what are you supposed to do? Ask, believe, don't doubt. Same formula. Different circumstances. One, I'm speaking to things. One, I'm asking for things. Speaking to things. Asking for things. See the difference? If I am asking for things, I'm not speaking to things. If I am speaking to things, I'm not asking for things. Now, this is important for this reason. When you pray, you are asking who? The Father. When you speak... What are you speaking to? Situation. Folks, we do not speak to God the way we speak to things. And you do not ask things the way you ask God. You speak to things you ask God. Real important to know. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will, once again, future, have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, that's pretty uh, inclusive, isn't it? <laughs> if you have anything against anyone, how many of you have anyone's in your life? <laughs> we all have anyone's, right? We got lots of anyone's. If you have anything against anyone, now I don't know about your translation. My translation goes right from there and says, forgive him. Does anyone have a translation that has any words in between against anyone and forgive him? Maybe except people who are really nasty. How about, does anybody have a translation that says, except for people that are unsaved? You don't have that one in your translation? If you have anything against anyone Forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Do not hold things against anyone because it will hinder you. He doesn't say restore them to a place of trust. He doesn't say make them your best buddy. He just says, Stop holding it against them. Quit it. So he was talking about speaking to things. He's talking about asking God for things. And then he talks to us about the only hindrance we ever really hear about in the Word of God outside of doubt and unbelief. Unforgiveness. He says, don't do it. Don't walk in that area. So the key, say it, believe it, don't doubt it. When you come to the Father, ask, believe, don't doubt. But when you speak to an object, a thing, how many things are under Christ? All things are under Christ. So I can speak to all things. Speak to it. I don't know if I gave you this in your outline or not, but as this principle works with speaking, it also does with praying. Same principle. And he goes on and talks about hindrances in prayer. Here's something that's in your outline. In both speaking and praying, belief must exist when the words exit, not when the thing happens. In both speaking and praying, belief must exist when the words exit, not when the thing happens. So again, we'll give you this. Prayer is to God and speaking is to things. 
Don't mix them up. Prayer is to God. Speaking is to things. Don't pray to God about things when you have authority over them. You can ask God for things, but if things are giving you trouble, speak to the thing. All right, I told you where we would go here. Mark chapter 4, verse 36. History on this. Storm had come up. Disciples are in the boat. Some of the disciples are fishermen. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And when they feared exceedingly, they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Are we talking about power? Are we talking about authority? It is authority. Because he speaks to the wind, he speaks to the waves, and the wind and the waves obey him. That's authority. The problem was things. Wind and waves. That was the problem. What are you supposed to do with things? Speak to the things. What did they choose to do? Now, there's a couple of things they did. First off, they chose to deal with the thing. Bail water. That wasn't working. When they were getting behind, what did they do? They asked Jesus. Not in a real nice way. They came to him. They, didn't, they weren't gentle. Came up to him. <laughs> they didn't do that, did they? What did they do? <laughs> Master! Don't you care? They were perishing. <laughs> They're loud. They didn't care that Jesus was sleeping. They didn't go down. Oh, wait a minute. He's sleeping. Let's wait till he gets his nap in. Let him get completely rested and we'll come back and get him later. No, they feel like they're going down because the things are attacking them. And they come and they ask Jesus in a not appropriate way. There's no belief. There's lots of doubt. Don't you care that we're perishing? And look how Jesus responds to them. After he talks to the to the wind and said to the sea. Turns to them and says, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Do you get the idea that he expected them to deal with this? What did he expect them to do? The same thing that he did, which was to speak to things and stop asking me. Jesus was not happy when they came and asked him about something they should have spoken to. How do you think God responds when we keep coming to him? Asking him for something we're supposed to have spoken to. Stop asking God to do things that he put in your power to do. He expects you. He wants you. He desires that you step out in your authority. And that you do it. Authority is simple. Speak to it. Speak to it. Say to the thing. Say to that thing. Mountain. Be moved. So first off, you have to get your plan in. What is the object that's in your way? And where do you want that object to go? You've got to have a little bit of a plan here. Don't just go in there and say, Object, do something. <laughs> object, get out of my way. No, have a plan. I don't have a plan. Ask God what the plan is. Because I can ask Him for things. God, give me a plan about what I should do with this mountain. I think Jesus got a plan about what to do when he went into the temple. And part of it involved the fig tree. Went back and asked the Father. Because he does whatever the Father says. Says whatever the Father says. There are objects in our way. And we fall into a ditch where we either don't speak to it at all. 
We keep asking God. God, I need this taken care of. God, do this for me. God, help me out here. Or we speak to it every day. You're going to speak to it. You do what? Speak to it. Believe it. Don't doubt it. Jesus spoke to it. Came back that night. Fig tree's probably still intact because no one made note of it. The next morning, it's not intact. Jesus didn't observe that it was intact, nor did he observe that it was withered. He was told. Because Jesus, when he spoke it, believed it to be done. And never came back to speak to the fig tree again. If you're going to operate in the area of authority, you need to have confidence. You get confidence from the Word of God. You need to learn the Word. If you think you didn't know the Word now, you don't know it enough. You need to learn it more. Now, you, haven't, you know it enough to take care of what's in front of you. I'm not saying that you, you're, you're inadequate. But you need to keep pressing in. Father God, I need to know more of what's in your Word. There's still more, more in it. How many times have you heard people preach on this, this verse of Scripture, these verses of Scripture right here? Plenty of times, haven't you? And you know what? There's still more in it. And not only that, there's more than my eyes need to be open to. I've heard some of these things, but I, my eyes aren't open up to it yet. And we keep going over it. We keep going over it. And all of a sudden, our eyes open up. And we say, oh, I see. Yes. Yes. If any man lacks wisdom, wisdom, what is he supposed to do? Ask, what is wisdom? Wisdom is a thing. You ask God in faith. Don't doubt. Because one who doubts, one who wavers, will not receive anything from the Father. Ask, believe, don't doubt it. Yeah, but you don't know what's... Ask, believe, don't doubt it. Yeah, but what happens if... Ask, believe, don't doubt it. There is no scenario you can come up with that's outside of that realm. And as long as you keep listening to that voice that comes up on the inside of you, the ones that tell you... <laughs> There is a realm. There is something to know. Ask. Believe. And don't doubt it. Or speak to it. Believe it. Don't doubt it. It's simple. That's all we have to do. And we can operate in the area of authority. But you have to first off know that I have authority in that area. That this thing will listen to me. Because if I know that they will listen to me, then I can speak in that authority. A police officer has both authority and power. He prefers that you listen to him in the realm of authority. But if you do not listen to the police officer in the realm of authority, what will that officer do? He brings out the power. <laughs> He's got a gun. Most of them uh, are taught self-defense. They work out. They got some muscles, they got some skills, they have, they have power. If you will not listen to authority, they will use power. They'd rather you listen to the authority. But you have been given authority. Step out and use that authority. We haven't, we are so many areas we can still delve into this. Identifying when authority and power, why do we ever, why would we ever need power if authority is so effective? What kind of situations where we're going to see this? So we'll, we'll get into all those in the, in the time down the road here. As, you, uh, as we go through this and you come up with some questions, throw them my way. I may not have the answer, but I know to ha who to ask. <laughs> so do you. I, I'll go and ask. You can ask. I can ask. You see, you can ask and I can ask and we can both be in faith. Right? Absolutely. So you, can, you want to tell me some of those things that you have questions along those lines? We'd, uh, we'd love to hear it. Stand up with me if you would. Father God, we thank you that through Jesus Christ you have given us both authority and access to the power of God. I thank you, Father, there is nothing in our life that the authority we have been given and the power of God we have access to cannot change. And we need to learn the depth of both of these areas. Thank you, Father, for the help that you give us to study your word, to learn your word, and to do the things that you teach us. 
in the Word. Thank You, Father, that our eyes will be opened to even more in this area as we meditate on these Scriptures and others. You will open up our eyes to things we haven't seen yet. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We got some praise reports. I saw a couple of them come in. Anybody else have uh, some praise reports that didn't make it yet? First one's from Ray. I entered a contest at work that I had forgotten about, and I won the grand prize. It was an iPad mini. I also was blessed at being covered at work so I could have Christmas Eve off to celebrate with family. Praise God. Um, Susan said I entered a contest. I think we should all be entering contests because everybody's winning here. Um, I entered a contest for a 25% off on editing for her new book. I contacted the woman to see who won. It wasn't me, but she decided to give me the discount anyway. Praise God for his blessings and favor. Is it Adriana? Aviana. And last, um, on Christmas Eve, we were looking for Larissa, the new uh, lady who was pregnant she had her baby christmas eve morning at four o'clock in the morning little girl and her name is a aviana i keep wanting to say adriana but it's aviana um and she i don't have all the the details yet but we're going to be contacting her to see if anybody would like to make meals or bring some things to her so that's about it and um anything else any other praise reports Okay, I did have one announcement. I still have sight and sound tickets for people. So if you have not yet paid, please see me, and um, I'd have your ticket for that. After the um, sight and sound show, we are going to go to lunch. So please bring money. Plan on doing that. Um, I don't know what the restaurants... um, We're going to go to McDonald's? No, we're not. (laughs) No, we're not. Um, But count on at least between 10, 15, something like that. Um, I just don't know what they are. They are where we'll end up going. So if you have any questions, let me know. Oh, for driving up there, um, pretty much anybody, if you need a ride, see me, and I'll get you in touch with somebody from your area who may be able to, to go with you, um, and that maybe we can make that work out better. Okay? That's it. All right. Looking forward to, to this. There are a lot of nice restaurants up there that you can't eat at around here, so we're going to find one of those, those kind of restaurants and um, have that as a, as a place to go. Would you all stand up with me one more time? All right. No Wednesday night service this week. We will be picking up the Wednesday night series the following week. All that's in your, in your bulletin. And I'm not sure what's going on with the, the Bible reading. I've been kind of changing the, the things in the bulletin each, each Sunday. But I, every once in a while, I, I go back. I try and do it every week, but I haven't done it for a while. I went back to the actual chart we made up, and we were off. I don't know if I didn't change them one week or if the chart was off, however it was. So I, I made it in line with the chart. So if anybody else has anything, and I've been following along the bulletin, if anybody else has, uh, has anything that, that it was not a week behind or like that, you can, uh, you can let me know. But anyway, I put it in line with where the chart was that uh, is in there, which is the uh, one we're supposed to be following anyway, which puts us in 2 Corinthians this week. So have a great week. Bless some folks before you go. And we'll see some of you on Saturday and the rest of you on Sunday.